I'm going on a composer quest Right now, yeah, that's right Oh yeah, I'm going on a composer quest Honey, mm-hmm Well, I'm going on a composer quest, babe I'm sitting here playing and sharing with Charlie McCarran, yeah Oh, going on a composer quest Babe, all right, take it now Whip, 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 wow Oh, take it, composer quest Oh, okay, I'll take it No, no, you take it, composer Okay, I'll take it Okay, I'll take it Here I go Hi, and welcome to Composer Quest. I'm Charlie McCarran, a composer in Minneapolis, and I started the show to get insights into how other composers and songwriters think about their craft. You can listen to all the episodes and find out more about these artists at ComposerQuest.com. This episode, I have a very special guest, a Grammy-nominated guest, in fact, Joe Maylander of the Okie Dokie Brothers. He and Justin Lansing make bluegrass music for kids, and their most recent album, Can You Canoe?, is up for the Best Children's Album Grammy. Joe talks about why he turned to kids' songwriting, even as a young guy without kids of his own. We're just as childish sometimes as the kids. We take on the character of kind of the older brother, of like, hey, check this out. You can catch bullfrogs, and you can tip the canoe for fun, (laughs) or whatever. Brother, brother, we've known one another. Joe also talks about how success as an independent artist is so based on time management. For him, the ultimate example is his canoe trip down the Mississippi River that he and Justin took to write songs for their album. We're like, okay, let's hit the river where we don't have any distractions. It turns out there's distractions out there too. It's a fact of life. So we'll get to hear some of these songs from Can You Canoe, along with a brand new Okie Dokie Brothers song that Joe hasn't even recorded yet. Love is like an echo If it's pure and it's true Then sing it out to the world And it'll come back to you I'm here with Joe Maylander, one half of the Okie Dokie Brothers. Joe, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Sure. So you guys are up for a Grammy. That's pretty exciting. Sure is. Yeah. (laughs) Don't know how that happened, but it is exciting. Nice. Did you picture yourself ever being in that spot? You know, we didn't really think this was a possibility. We're independent kids musicians, as they say, what they call kindy music. And a lot of times with kindy musicians, you know, we're kind of not necessarily in the mainstream of what's happening in children's music with Disney and Nickelodeon and Kids Bop and all the top sellers are kind of the people that I would expect to get recognized on the bigger music scene. But uh, this year it seems like they recognized some independent kids musicians that are self-managed and that's really exciting. Cool. And did I hear something about flannel tuxedos (laughs) i think you might have heard something about that that was a rumor going around but i don't know what we're gonna do we're still debating what we're gonna wear i think you should go for it go for it yeah strap canoes to ourselves yes and show up with paddles in hand can you canoe if there's nothing better to do i wanna float down the river album can you canoe maybe you could talk a little bit about that experience what went into that sure it was kind of a large project we thought to ourselves we need to do an album 
that you know inspires kids to get outside, get active, and the best way to do that is by doing it ourselves, not just to kind of sit around the house and write songs, but to get out there, experience life, experience the emotions that go along with an adventure, and that adventure was a month-long canoe trip down the Mississippi River. We made it three long miles and now we're floating on our canoes. Catching lots of fish, but we still got them fishing blues. It took around two years from the start of planning until the release, and we made a DVD as well that goes with the CD. How was that, trying to film and write songs and survive going down the river? Good question. Yeah, I asked myself that question every day we were out there because it was always a juggling act of... Okay, how are we going to spend our time, as you might know, and maybe listeners out there that are trying to songwrite, a lot of times everyday tasks get in your way, right? You're like, oh, I'd love to write a song, but I'm so busy, right? So we're like, okay, let's hit the river where we don't have any distractions. And turns out there's distractions out there too. <laughs> it's a fact of life, you know, out there it's how many miles do we have to go to get to St. Louis every day? Where are we going to get supplies? We have to, you know, come up with meals cook dinner, set up camp, break down camp, uh, interview people, make these little skits on our DVD happen. So every day there was a challenge of how to use our time wisely. A lot of times when I talk to artists, whether it's songwriting or painting or anything, a lot of the art comes with your life choices, everyday decisions of how you spend your time. Even before you make decisions on what words to use or what colors to paint, so with this whole composer quest theme, I think it's appropriate just to talk about time yeah. and, and how you use it. I always think that's the first step when talking about songwriting. In that situation on the river, it was a condensed experiment of how are we using our time to create the most effective scenario for writing songs. It was a struggle, but it also was a pressure cooker that created some good tunes I wouldn't want to do that consistently, though. <laughs> it was enough for a month. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're back to your lazy schedule of just, like, three shows every single day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, taking her easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, actually, it's kind of the down season for us. The winters, we don't do as many shows. The summers are insane. Yeah, we do three shows a day sometimes or or more. Um <laughs> But in the winter, Justin spends a lot of time in New York City. Justin's the banjo player and the other songwriter in the Okie Dokie Brothers. His girlfriend lives out there, so we have more time to ourselves and reflection of life and what all this can mean to kids and families. So we do a lot of writing in the off-season, quote-unquote. How does that work with you two songwriting? Is it kind of a Lennon-McCartney thing? Do you write individual songs and then bring them together and work on them together, or...? Do you ever co-write at the exact same time? We do a little of both. I would say the majority of the time, we kind of come up with ideas separately and go ahead and write at least a basic structure of a song. Then we bring it to each other for fine-tuning, editing, maybe add a verse, maybe change a chorus around, add a bridge. So that happens a lot. But there are the few songs on each album that are pure collaborations too, you know, where we kind of come up with the idea together and and hash out a full song together or, you know, where we have contributed even amounts of lyrics to an old traditional song. Say like we choose 
Uh, for instance, Holloway Joe on the last CD was an example of this. Goodbye and don't you cry, I'm going to Louisiana. Way Holloway, Will Holloway Joe. We both just kind of wrote a bunch of verses and pitched them in, and we share songs like that, which is a cool example for kids and, and families, too, to kind of tap into um, a cooperation and teamwork kind of theme that, that we go for. My mother told me long ago she wished I'd be a lawyer. Way Holloway, Will Holloway Joe. Much to her chagrin, I don't have an employer. Way Holloway, Will Holloway Joe. When did you decide you wanted to be a children's musician? Because I remember back in college, you are in the... <laughs> Wasn't so much of a children's musician, was I? Uh, no. (laughs) Walking on the street, baby, turn around to see. As long as I've known you, you've been a bluegrass musician. But when did uh, the thought cross your mind to start uh, gearing that towards children? Sure. So we had a nonprofit that we started in college that we would get donations and grants to go play bluegrass folk concerts for communities that don't necessarily get to hear live music on a regular basis. Occasionally they would set up shows for us at the daycare center, at the maybe low-income housing place, or it's like more of a family event on a weekend, a picnic or something like that. And so just kind of by chance, we started playing more of these family shows where kids were in the audience and we realized that, first of all, the bluegrass beat and kind of the traditional sound, kids gravitate towards that because of the danceability, the listenability, and most of those tunes are like pretty family-friendly with a couple lyrics here and there that you'd have to switch around. So we kind of recognize that, like it's almost family music already, and we really liked the participatory nature of playing for kids where it wasn't just a performer playing for an audience but it was an interactive interchange that kind of broke down barriers between you know singer songwriter and the listeners so we would do call and response we would do actions we would do calling up volunteers so that the kids could play instruments and all of a sudden it just kind of clicked in my head and Justin's that you know we could do this in schools and libraries and and daycare centers and camps we were camp counselors for years and love being around kids so I, I think it's cool too that you guys are young kids musicians I mean I would guess it's probably more parents who yeah turn to kids songwriting after they most definitely yep there are a few children's bands out there like us that are kind of bachelors, you know, no kids yet. But for the majority of kids musicians, yeah, they're definitely having families of their own, a little bit older. So we're happy to bring kind of a younger voice to the whole scene. Well, it's fun because like in your videos too, you guys are the kids, basically. Yeah, that's a good point. That's what, yeah, we look at a lot of times is we're just as childish sometimes as the kids. We take on the character of kind of the older brother of like, hey, check this out. You can catch bullfrogs and you can tip the canoe for fun (laughs) or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I like that role, you know, stay positive, obviously, but have a little bit of an edge that kids are intrigued by. 
Yeah. Well, I like that you don't water it down either. Like putting a penny on the train tracks, for example, in one of your videos. It's like, yeah. I mean, we've caught some slack for that kind of stuff. You know, it's like we're not the most PC or safe play it by the book. We don't put anything out there that's too crazy. But we like the classic images and putting a penny on a train track is one of those images that just Mm -hmm. worked out so yeah we don't necessarily say go out and do that because we've heard you know might not be the safest thing to do but we're also not going to tell you not to yeah i think that's your parents job kids will be kids exactly so we have a fan question here from john smith he says children's music often involves a higher degree of interaction with the audience than other forms of music What is one thing that the rest of the music world could learn from this performance quality of children's music? Mm, John, good question. Uh, Well, I think you you start to see it more and more in these concerts for adults, too. Like, Cake does this a lot. I feel like you split up the audience and you get them singing. Ben Folds does the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's really cool when, you know, they start assigning harmony parts or uh, whatever to the audience and it becomes an interactive thing. Um... Dan Deacon, his whole show is based on participation, and he even gives you apps on your phone to kind of participate while he's playing. But yeah, it's really drawing off of what Pete Seeger laid down a long time ago of like, we can do so much as performers, but it's so much cooler if it's a communal thing that happens here because we're, we're more powerful as a whole. So I guess what you could take from that is maybe just a sense of humility of you know, I'm not as good by myself as I am when everybody else is participating. Cause that's the truth in our show. We invite the kids up and each time we do that last song where they take the instruments and kind of have their own solo, that song is completely different. It's completely spontaneous. And that's something I think should be a part of more adult concerts is that spontaneity of involving other people. Cause you never know what you're going to get. Some shows that might seem a little bit canned and a little overplayed and a little boring because these people have been on tour for way too long why not throw in a little change up and put in some participation so that you have to improvise yeah i remember i went to a weezer concert a while ago and they had someone come up and play the sweater song on guitar oh yeah and it was so frustrating because that was like one of their songs i knew oh really thing and this kid just sucked but you know that's okay um, you know, you know, Bieber does the same thing. Bieber gets a gets a girl from the audience. Oh, nice! <laughs> sings to her. Quite uh, the gimmick. Justin Bieber pulls on that one. <laughs> Do you lose a lot of fans to Justin Bieber? I think so. I think he's yeah. I think he steals them from us when they hit about eight or nine. I don't know how old. <laughs> Ten. Hopefully, 11, Hopefully 12. Hopefully <laughs> It's probably like four. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you go about writing songs for kids? Do you approach that differently than adult, so-called adult music? Surprisingly, I don't approach that too much differently than I would write an adult song. Really what happens is, of course, I'm aware of what words you know I have to leave out. I'm not going to make whiskey references like... I might have done in college a few times. McKenkies, Irish ale, goes down without a second thought. But, you know, that's not really who I am anyway, so I'm okay leaving that stuff out of songs. 
And I take this approach of, I guess, a philosophy that can be explained as simplicity on the other side of complexity, right? There's always a simplicity we can obtain that's kind of like off-the-cuff simplicity, and that's fun and whimsical and can be great. But then you can move into the land of complication and complexity. That's when you're thinking a lot, the words are getting complicated and the structure's very interesting and the chord patterns are complex. But where I think the best songs for kids come from is then when you move past that land of complexity back into simplicity but not the first simplicity, the simplicity after complexity, where you understand that there needs to be some depth, some universality, some meaningful archetypal themes, and then you make it simple, you know? Like, that that's a interesting place to write songs because it's not just dumbed-down stuff. It's meaningful, but it's simple. And I think that that's such... A great challenge as a songwriter for children is to make a meaningful song that kids understand, but also has another level of depth that parents get the metaphorical meanings and the universal themes of life and love and friendship. Peter Pan could never understand. Why Wendy Darling wanted more than Neverland But a lost boy always makes it on his own So he never grew up and he ended up alone But I would rather have you sitting here next to me Telling bedtime stories and singing harmony Because that river is deep and that river is wide And I'm gonna need you, child, to be my guide And if we're gonna make it to the other side It's gonna take more than just coming along for the ride Just listening to your albums I'm struck by how much deeper they are than most things you hear on the radio. Like the song Along for the Ride, I think is just like a perfect example of yeah. a song that has a few layers of meaning, but yeah. Yeah, I know. thanks. I, I know, and a lot of times, you know, a song like that might, you know, even hold too much meaning for the radio, because a lot of times the stuff you hear on the radio for adults is so surface level anyway. But I'm not saying all children's music has to have like double meanings or whatever. Not all of our songs do, but it is nice to put a couple in there for the people out there that are reflecting about their lives and their kids. And it can be a powerful thing to kind of step back from the moment and really take it in before your kids grow up and Mm -hmm. leave the house. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to live in that moment as a family. It's a really special time in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about that simplicity on the other side of complexity thing. And this is a song I've been working on recently that's a super simple song. It's a simple chord pattern, very simple melody and rhyme scheme. But um tried to put some deeper meaning in it, too, so... We'll see how it turns out. This one's called Echo. And there is actually an echo in this song. 
that we kind of get the audience. We've only performed it once, but we get them to echo us. It's a participatory thing too. So I won't make you do the echo, Charlie. Okay. <laughs> you just have to imagine it though. Uh, After I, I say um, Yodelehi Hu, which is okay. part of the song, the yodels, you'll just have to imagine what it would sound like if there was an echo in this room. a valley with a wide mountain view and sang out your name with a yodel yodel he who yodel he who yodel he he yodel he who I'm still in love with you than a king He tried to buy my song But money can't make me sing Yodelay-hee-hoo Yodelay-hee-hee Yodelay-hee-hoo I'm still in love with you like an echo if it's pure and it's true then sing it out to the world and it'll come back to you yodelay-hee-hoo 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 I'm still in love with you I'm still in love with you I'm still in love with you There you nice. go. That's a good one. That's a new one. Yeah, that one hasn't been recorded yet. It's a work in progress for this next record. Yeah. So what exactly is your plan for the the new project coming up? We are going to hike the Appalachian Trail. Not the whole thing. That takes a long time. It takes usually around six months to do the whole thing. Oh. So we only have a month, and we're going to hike uh, mostly in Virginia, the Virginia Highlands while meeting different musicians that live out there and playing music with them, trying to learn old traditional songs, hear cool stories from Appalachia. I should say Appalachia or something. I have to learn how to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to say it. They say it differently than us Minnesotans. Um, And then we're going to record this summer in New York with our producer, We really try to keep in mind that people are going to be listening to this a million times in their minivans, so we try to make the production as listenable as possible. And and even in our first couple albums, we didn't really succeed at that 100%, because I feel like I wouldn't really like to listen to those songs like a million times. So we try to tone it down a little bit, knowing that this will get high rotation in, in in the van. That's thoughtful of you, thinking of those parents. <laughs> yeah, we try. Train to come a whistling, ooh, 
with a couple different kids music producers um but this last record can you canoe was done with dean jones he lives up near woodstock new york and he has a straw bale studio which um, built out of straw built out of straw i mean there's plaster around it but it's just it's a really down-to-earth place there's only one room he tries to capture a real sound rather than kind of having every single instrument isolated and mixable to any degree you know he'll he'll go for energy over perfection yeah which is cool i trust him i remember in your npr interview you're talking about how people are kind of coming around to bluegrass again and like the simplicity of it not this overproduced stuff yeah for sure and i don't even know if it has to do with what is bluegrass but just more independent music that isn't perfect you know these imperfections in production sometimes seem to draw people in to a more real story of who these people are and we're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes that we're Adele or anything like that like those recordings sound amazing for a reason because she has you know a million dollars behind her production and she should because she's got a million dollar voice but a lot of people want something a little more intimate. There's a lot of people that just support local music because they want to go out to the bars and see these local bands. And, and that's what's cool about DIY and independent music is, you know, your fan bases might be smaller, but they might be more plugged into what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and you guys are really DIY. You do your own promo and... That kind of thing, don't you? Yeah, promotion. We do a lot of that ourselves. We get a little help from a publicist. But it's not like we're on a record label where all of that is taken care of and all we do is write the music. We're at the computer on a daily basis, filling up the schedule and the calendar and writing emails and reaching out to fans. And there's nobody else above us that like is taking a percentage is the one, you know, the one benefit of being independent. But it does take getting up every morning and going to work. That's what we do. We don't like sleep in and, you know, write music and listen to music all day. We work and we hold each other accountable. So it's another yeah. part of this whole composer quest theme, I think, is how people can actually make it work for themselves, you know? And a lot of times it's not as romantic as it seems. It's like making those phone calls and writing those emails. Everybody can do that but just takes a little drive and discipline yeah so you were telling me a little bit about the system of the grammys now is seems to be a little more open like anyone can put up a page and if your music is good and noticed by people that's kind of how you you got in um yeah more or less not anybody you do have to be part of the grammy recording academy which you know, there's some membership fees and there's some credentials that you have to have, a number of recording credits. And anyway, you kind of apply to be a part of the voting community. And right, it's not like that hard to get in whatsoever. If you wanted to, yeah, you probably could. And a lot of the people we know probably could. And before, you kind of had to have a label of a couple hundred people on your side to kind of have the weight necessary to get votes. 
And now it's more of a, a networking thing that you can do by just connecting to other underdogs like yourself, getting the music in front of those listeners. And if they like it, I think you can garner some votes. If I was in the adult music world, there would be probably no way that I would spend time thinking about Grammys. It just happens to work number-wise for the children's music genre. So now that you're nominated, what needs to happen for you guys to win this Grammy? (laughs) Really, it's out of our hands at this point. Um, We're not going to do too much because we're happy with the other nominees. They're all independent kids musicians that we like. We know them. We've played shows with them. We've gone to conferences with them. Anybody that wins this year, it's a win for us because it's like good representation of kids music. Um, So we're just going to enjoy the ride. Go to LA, put on those tuxedos and have a party. (laughs) Cool. Good luck to you guys. Thanks. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Do you have maybe a song from Can You Canoe that you'd want to play for me? Sure. Yeah, I do. How about we do the Bullfrog Opera? Yes. You know. Oh, that that's one? my favorite. Oh, really? That, it really is, yeah. That okay. one gets stuck in my head for like weeks on end. Great. Well, I'll play you the acoustic version. All right. Here we go. We're sleeping out in the forest again Far from the cities and the streets But if we close our eyes and we improvise We can make it to New York in our dreams The moon becomes a street lamp in Central Park And the river is a train Brooklyn bound The stars turn into pearls on high-heeled girls getting ready for a night on the town let's take them to the bullfrog opera and the raccoons masquerade ball we've got broadway tickets to see a chorus line of crickets and the loons are playing carnegie hall our tent starts looking like the plaza hotel Tonight we'll sleep like we're rich The trees grow to equate the size of the Empire State And the trail becomes the Triborough Bridge We're sitting front row at Nature Symphony Show With the winds, the reeds, and the strings We wait for the piano to cue the soprano Cause it's not over till the fat lady sings Singing in the bullfrog opera And the raccoons masquerade ball We've got Broadway tickets to see A chorus line of crickets And the loons are playing Carnegie Hall Carnegie Hall And the 
I have uh, another fan question from okay. Maya Heyman, mm-hmm. elementary music teacher, um, also my girlfriend. But um, So she's wondering, have you thought about publishing your music for kids to sing or doing some sort of like textbook with your songs in it? Because I know teachers really appreciate you coming to the schools and getting kids interested in it. Yeah, that's a great idea. We've actually had a couple people approach us about the same kind of thought of come out with a songbook too with melody lines and chord progressions and lyrics. That's a good idea. We should do that. Yeah. Um, we do have a PDF on our website of the lyrics and the chords, but I think an actual notated book might be a good idea. Maybe she could help us with that. She's oh. she's smart at that kind of stuff. She would be happy to, but <laughs> when you're writing songs for kids... Do you think of the kids and what they would be able to sing, or do you just come up with something that's catchy to you? Or? Actually, we've never really thought about like something that would be easy for kids to sing. I feel like any song I write isn't going to be too complicated. I feel like kids can sing pretty much all of our songs. In our new project that has to do with the Appalachian Trail, there's a lot of songs that we're rewriting lyrics to, um, old songs from kind of the 1800s, and I feel like even if you're a kid and you've never heard these songs before, there's a backbone to these songs that makes them so, I guess, palatable. People understand them even the first time they hear them. And that's why they've stuck around so long. Yeah. Same as lullabies and, you know, those types of songs, kids' songs. that wraps up my questions for you but now i have a challenge for you oh yeah that i pose to everyone okay um i think i know what's coming yes composer quest theme song we need one for this episode okay i can do that okay i'm, I'm gonna do it right now in All right, real good. time don't even edit this okay okay Let me, i'm just uh... gonna grab the guitar Okay, Composer Quest, that's yep, the name. that's the name. All right, I always have a kind of a structure of songs that I use for this kind of occasion. So let's see if I can pull something off. Okay. I'm going on a Composer Quest, baby. Yeah, I'm going on a Composer Quest, baby. I'm playing and sharing with Charlie McCarran. I'm going on a composer quest right now. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I'm going on a composer quest, honey. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going on a composer quest, babe. I'm sitting here playing and sharing with Charlie McCarran. Yeah, oh, going on a composer quest, babe. All right, take it now. Wow, oh, take it, Composer Quest. Oh, okay, I'll take it. No, no, you take it, Composer Okay, I'll take it. Okay, I'll take it. Here I go. Oh, well, going on a Composer Quest, honey. Mm. Yeah, I'm going on Composer Quest, babe. I'm sitting here sharing with Charlie McCarran. Honey, baby, mine. What do you think? 
awesome. <laughs> you heard it right here on Composer Quest, off the top of Joe's head. All right, well, thanks, Joe. Thank you, Charlie. This has been a lot of fun. Well, that's it for this episode of Composer Quest. Thanks for joining me. To hear more of Joe Maylander's music, you can visit okidoki.org. It's a small and simple song. It's so soft and sweet. It's a slow and soothing song so I can sing you to sleep.